Good evening, everyone. Um, I am I am impressed that Richard still managed to embarrass his daughter, even though he's not speaking tonight. <laughs> but um, it's great to be here with you all. As as you may know, my name is Dom. I'm your youth outreach here, uh, youth outreach worker here, and. Yeah, I, I preached also at the morning service, but I have to say, due to my sleeping routine, this is a lot more preferable for me. So I, I'm thankful to be here tonight. And, and we've made it. Uh, it's, that's quite possibly the last time you're going to see that video and dance along to that nice little beat. I know, it's very sad. But I've, I've enjoyed this series, and I'm going to be ending it tonight, looking through um, the last bit of the Apostles' Creed. Now, if you haven't been with us each evening, essentially... Throughout the last term, we've been diving into and exploring the foundations for our belief. Um, oh, my sliders. There we go. Lovely. Um, and actually, this is way back when, from the very early church, they wrote this kind of condensed form for what we believe. And it still it survived the test of time, and we're going through it still today. So I'm just going to start by kind of declaring my faith through it and going through it once more. And actually, as I read through the Apostles' Creed, why don't you just... Maybe as I, as I say them, maybe you might remember some of the other um, sermons that we've heard throughout the last term, and maybe some nuggets that come out from that. So, yeah, spend that time listening as I speak through it now. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered unto Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now have a moment to think through that. Now, if you are hoping to hear today about the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and life everlasting, I have to apologize. I'm not actually speaking on that tonight, but I do encourage you that actually as a church body, we should talk to each other and ask one another questions. So if you want to learn more about that part, please do talk to one another and go through it yourselves. But actually today, I am going to take us through the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. Now, maybe that maybe this is the first time for you, maybe you're a bit like me, and when you saw the words Holy Catholic Church, you were a bit like, wait, me? Here? <laughs> and it's a bit confusing, but it doesn't mean the Roman Catholic Church. Um, actually, the word Catholic here means universal. Um, that is, and not just, not just universal of around the world, but it also means for all places and all time. So that's what we think, think about when we use the word Catholic here. And actually, I have got a lovely slide that displays that. It's good. And further to that, uh, the word holy is also used. And similar, similarly to that, it's also how we use the word saints, which also means someone who is holy. Now, when we say holy or saints, we are not just talking about the Georges or the Patricks, St. Patrick, that is. Um, but actually, we as Christians are, in fact, holy. And that, that seems a bit confusing. What have I done to deserve myself being holy? 
But actually, it's not because of what we have done. It's because of the one who calls us. Again, this is not because of anything we've done to deserve that title, but it's entirely because we have been called by a holy God and have responded to that call. So holy here is kind of the idea of being set apart for God. And finally, a bit more, the church. Some people think of the church as a building. It's quite a lot of, a lot of people I remember like talking to friends who weren't Christians. They're like, oh, you're going to the church building. I'm like, oh, well, the church is the body. The church is the people. We as a group together are the church. And actually, the kind of direct translation for church is those who are called out. So hopefully that makes a bit of sense together. God has called us out. We are set apart for God. And actually, we're looking at the universal church. Now, this is included in the Apostles' Creed for very good reason. This is a profession of our faith. And actually, do we believe in the Holy Catholic Church? I'll be honest in saying that there are times where I have to question myself. Do I really believe in the church the same way I believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins, life everlasting? Well, this is the question I want to ask you all this morning. Why believe in the church? Seems, it might seem like an obvious question, it might not, but actually, why, why is this in the creed? Why is this something that seems so important? Is it there for just us to get things out of when we come to church? Is it a further hope? Is it something that we want to invest in? Do we really believe in the church? Well, firstly, I'm going to go on to say that actually Jesus believes in the church. And we're going to go through a little Bible reading. So I've got um, Edmund. Where are you, Edmund? He's over there. I've even got the Bible open for you if you want. But Edmund's going to take us through the reading from John chapter 17, verse 20 onwards. I had it on the wrong page, apparently. <laughs> oh, no, that's the Bible I had. There we go. I'm sorry, Edmund. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity and let the world know that you have sent me and have lo loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and give to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Thank you so much, Edmund. So Jesus... Jesus believes in the church. This is one I want to take from this passage that we just heard. This was Jesus praying shortly before he was soon to be betrayed and then crucified. Now, the church was really actually Jesus' idea. And Jesus, Jesus believed in the church. And in this passage, we actually see him initiating the church and when, when he's praying for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about us. He's talking about all Christians today that have come to believe in him. That's pretty amazing that Jesus was already praying for us way back when he was here on earth, and that's incredible. And actually, 
that the world would believe through us. I think it's, it's, a, it's a massive opportunity, it's a massive responsibility, but Jesus is praying here, not that through what he's doing just to those people there, but he's saying, actually, I want the people who have seen me to be the ones who take that further. I want the body of, I, sorry, I keep using these phrases, but I want, I want my followers, I want the church to be the ones that actually show who I am. And again, he goes on to keep saying that, that all of the, that we may be one, that we may be in God, just as God is, uh, just as Jesus is in the Father, and actually that we might have complete unity. What does it mean to have complete unity with the Holy Catholic Church? This is all churches, past and present. And finally, this is the the most powerful bit. It says, "Then, then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me." It's not saying when one of us just goes and tries to like talk to so many people about God and be like, oh yeah, God's great. It's actually Jesus is saying that when we are a unified church, this is what he's praying for, that then people will know that we have come from God. We have come from the almighty loving God and it's Jesus that was sent from God. Now, I don't know about you, But that reminds me of the gospel message. It says that they will know Jesus, they will know the Son, and that we are loved by God. That is similar to what you may know, the passage, John 3.16. I might see some nodding heads. People know. Some people know John 3.16. John 3.16 essentially is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the calling of God for the church. This will not be new to many, but actually the importance of evangelism, which means sharing our faith and sharing the good news of Jesus, that has always been the call. This is not something new, but this is how Jesus prayed that it would happen. Evangelism is not just about speaking to people about God. Actually, it is about showing them who we are. It's about showing them the life of a follower of Jesus and through that, that they might know God. This is how people will see Jesus and believe. Through the Holy Catholic Church, this is how the gospel message will be seen. Through God's people, the Holy Church, us Christians all across the earth and through time being unified together through and in Jesus. So, that's the first part I want to take you through. But actually, why believe in the church? Jesus believes in the church. That's a, that's a pretty strong start to the argument. But when we look at this, it's Jesus praying. Now, do we believe that a prayer from Jesus will be fulfilled? God's own prayer. He who sits at the right hand of the Father and is continually praying for us now, as we would have heard from Toby when he spoke a few weeks ago. I believe we will see God's unified church and people will believe. But with that belief, it does not mean that we sit back, stop working, and just wait for God to do it all. This is Jesus' call for all of us. This is our response to the faith that we have been professing as we have been reading through the Apostles' Creed each week. So, let's quickly make a start now. Something I love that is done in other services that we do um, is that we say the peace. An opportunity and maybe an obligation to settle your differences with any church family if there are any grievances. And what you do is you go and you say, 
peace be with you to those around you. So I want us to look beyond our grievances as a step towards that kind of unity. So why don't you all, for a moment in this room, let's practice, turn to someone next to you, hopefully someone you don't know, and maybe share a little peace be with you and get to know each other. You have 40 seconds, go. I didn't actually time 40 seconds, but I'm going to start cutting you off there. It's great to see you all chatting, getting to know each other. But I'm not done there. This is universal. This is not just our church in here now. Last month, I was discussing the topic of the church with some of our young people who were going through confirmation prep. As we mentioned, we got 14 of them getting confirmed next week, which is incredible. And actually, we talked about the many denominations of the church explaining some of the differences in maybe how people worship God or different practices or understandings, but that they were all still Christians. It's not about what divides us, but instead what unites us. What we profess in the Apostles' Creed, for example, those significant declarations of faith, we may try to focus on how we differ to the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Catholics, but actually, if we choose to have any identity for example, in being Anglican, that actually much more importantly, we should have our identity as being a Christian. It's through our faith that we are united. And first and foremost, in Christ we are united. And I, I strongly believe that there is nothing in the whole world that could possibly unite everyone in all their differences except through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice for all who will accept him. So this leads me to my second point, that is, unity is powerful. It's a, it's a bad example of a, of a picture because all of these people are exactly the same. You, know, you don't have to all be exactly the same. But actually, we do live in a very divided world. I'm not sure there is, I'm not sure there is anything that people would agree on, whether that's opinion or fact. But we still see examples of power and change which come through large groups unifying for causes like Votes for Women or Black Lives Matter, unity stands out in our divided world. So if this is our calling, to be the Holy Catholic Church, to be unified and for the world to see who Jesus is, then how do we do that? How do we be unified? Well, actually, I can't give you all the answers. I, I'm not like crazy beyond my years of wisdom. Some of you will know stuff more than me. But actually, I have had some time to learn from others, and I have had the fortune. I got to chair our Christian union at Loughborough University, a space where Christians from all different denominations would join together and share the love of God to our town in uni. But believe me, it was not easy. And it didn't come without work. But it saw growth. We saw people come to know Jesus on a regular basis. People noticed something that was different. They witnessed people of all different backgrounds, all different characters, even different courses, and they all joined together to share the love of God, which we had all experienced, and people wanted to know more. 
So I'm going to share a quick few pointers on how we can grow our unity as Christians, especially with those outside just Holy Trinity Claygate. We need to listen more than we speak. It's much better that we hear where the other person is instead of just being eager to be heard ourselves. We need to look for Jesus in others. Actually, when we really look at someone else, we, we can be comforted and, and empowered to see what God is actually doing in and through them. And unity does not mean uniformity. I'm going I'm to go on a little ramble here. Uh, this is, this is uh, my good buddy, Ben. Obviously, that's me on the right. Uh, we, we went to university together. He's two years younger than me. We met for our Christian union, and we ended up living together in our final year with quite a few other guys. And... Yeah, it, a, a funny story. There was a there was a thing called the 36 questions to fall in love. I don't know if people have heard of this. It's some weird scientific thing. And of course, as a house of boys, we we're like, oh yeah, let's try on each other. Let's see how like do, like all uh, upset and weepy we get. And apparently, two of my mates the other day, they were just like crying and like consoling each other afterwards. But I sat down and we were like, all right, Ben, let's give this a try. And we got to about question five, and it was like, name five things you have in common. Literally, other than the fact that we are both young white men <laughs> and Christians, we had nothing in common. And it was really, it was quite sad. We were very good friends, but we realized we literally had nothing in common. But that's, that's the kind of point I want to make here, is that actually, I, I mean, I saw Ben literally yesterday. We're, we're such good mates, but we didn't need anything in common apart from our love for God. That, honestly, that changed so much. That is how we live our lives, that is why we do what we do. And there are Christians all across the earth who share that with us. We don't need to have these different qualities in common to be able to be unified with others. And actually, so we need to step out of our comfort zone. It's easy to love who's, those who are like us, or even those who like us. We need to step out of our comfort zone. And then, most of the time, it's a matter of making sure we're not stopping the unity that we're not devaluing the evangelism that we show as Christians. Ways we can do this so easily are gossip, insensitivity, negative criticism, jealousy, an unforgiving attitude, failure to appreciate others, selfishness, greed, and every other form of lovelessness. And the main one that always strikes out for me is gossip. I remember having to be so careful. That can just tear down so much, especially between Christians. We need to be careful. But all of this is part of our calling as Christians because unity is indeed powerful. And finally, why believe in the church? Because actually we, we need each other. That's the truth. This is where I neatly tie in that last other line from the Apostles' Creed, the communion of saints. And actually, we as Christians... We are the saints in question, but again, this is not just us now, but it's all those who have come before us. And communion here is talking about fellowship, it's talking about sharing our lives with each other, to share our thoughts, to share our troubles, to share our celebrations, to share our encouragements, to share our gifts, and to share our needs. Now, it's, it's not always easy, I myself know how hard it is to ask for help, especially during lockdown. It's really hard to reach out to other people, but I can only imagine how much harder it is for those that aren't in a loving church community. 
And actually, we as humans have always needed this in the same way that God is not alone, but God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a brilliant relationship that can call upon each other, just as Jesus calls upon the Father in the passage that we read through. And actually, Tom shared just last week about the Holy Spirit giving different gifts to different people, yet all these gifts are valuable and needed together. There's no point getting these gifts and keeping them to ourselves. We, we need to rely on what we have been given by God and work together to see everything that God can do through us. And I wanted to read uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, which I think neatly gives a bit more earth on this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Oh, I did actually have the verse. There you go. Now, life is hard as it is, let alone living a life for God. We all will need help. We need to continue meeting together as we do now. This is of the benefit of us as Christians, or even just as us as humans, but it's also God's calling for our lives to be here and part of the church. So, why believe in the church? Actually, Jesus does. It's powerful and it's needed. I think there's so much incredible like, things we can do through the church. And Jesus believed in that. Jesus prayed in that. We are all called out to be different, to join together. And in doing so, we will show the world who God is. And how great a sign will this be to a generation who has just been separated through a pandemic and a longing for a loving community? And actually, what will the world's response be? when they see that Christians are unified, that they love and support one another and openly offer that love to the rest of the world. For God is love and Jesus is our hope, but the church should be the hope for the world. If we believe in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, will you also respond in believing in the church?